Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Relationships Rock. We have in the studio Hannah Kahana, literally, guys, the coolest person I have ever met. She was with us in season one, and she came back. We are talking Hashkafa today. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me. Wow, what a what a greeting. Do you come in like travel size that I could just like take you everywhere with me? <laughs> so happy to be here. So happy to have you. And today's topic was actually Hannah's idea. You know, she had when we were speaking months ago, I think, like before the summer yeah. even. And she said to me, you know, the Hashkafa question is a really big topic that comes up a lot should we discuss it? And I was like, yes, like this actually is something that that really does come up a lot, you know, and hashkafic differences. And should you break up? Should you stay together? Can you marry somebody who is different than you? Exactly. And I feel like the idea of hashkafa really kind of comes out in so many different ways in a relationship. And it's not just um, you know, the basics. I know we're going to define Hashkafa, but like there's just so many different aspects of Hashkafa in a relationship. And it's so important to understand how you feel about certain things. Yeah. And you know, this word gets thrown around a lot. We have a similar Hashkafa. We have a different Hashkafa. This is my Hashkafa. And it's like, let's take a step back. How are we defining Hashkafa? How are you defining listeners Hashkafa? Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a word that gets bandied about a lot. And like, it, it does need to be clarified. So I personally feel that Hashkafa is, of course, your religious beliefs and um, where you stand, you know, in terms of firmness and things like that. But I also feel like Hashkafa incorporates really essentially how you live your day to day and how you want your household to be, how you want to you know, raise your kids, of course, a long-term goal, but also even just on a, on a more basic level, like how you run your house and how you want the atmosphere in your house to be. I feel like that's all part of Hashkafa. Yeah. I, I love that you touched upon two things. It is the lifestyle that you have, that you currently have, but it's also the home you want to build. The home you grew up in is like your first language, right? Like that's what's most common to you, what's more normal to you. But in marriage, you can learn a second language, right? Like you can decide with your spouse, hey, this is the kind of home we're building. This is the language that I'm speaking to with my kids. And actually the last episode was all about body image and weight. And I spoke there a lot about how, even if you grew up with a language about self-image and, and, and food and weight that was unhealthy, you can change the language for your children. I think that when we're discussing Hashkafa, at least the way that I view it is, what is the language that you are raising your new family in? right? What is going to be the lifestyle of this new home? Yes, just, just like Hannah said, there is a religious aspect. I mean, we can't, we, we, we can't take that out of the word. There is a religious aspect, but there's also like a mindset, a lifestyle. But yes, there's a religious component. It's also the lifestyle you're currently living. And it's also the home that you want to raise your family in. Yeah. And that's, that's such an important point when deciding you know, if Ashkafos match up and things like that, is that, you know, is this a standalone issue? And I think something that can really help you kind of like discern and, and figure out if it's a standalone issue is understanding the intent behind why someone is doing something or not doing something. So, you know, like in the example that you gave, if the boy was going to explain that 
for him, it's important for his wife to cover her here because really, you know, it's in, it's for him, it's a representation of, of their level of firmness. And, and, you know, he would like to uphold that level in all aspects of their lives. And, you know, when it comes to SNES and all that, I think that would very much make a girl understand what other aspects this would affect and what, you know, what else that would translate into. So I feel like intent behind any specific um, belief or hashkafa that you have is very important to understanding long-term ramifications of that specific hashkafic, you know, point of view. Yeah, I, I love that because I think that that leads into the whole idea of, is it a standalone or do we have just a different mindset? You know, like once you understand why I do want to cover my hair or why I don't want to cover my hair, you know, or wherever the example is, then you can say, what's the theme here? Right. Like another way that this comes up a lot is um, with listening to non-Jewish music, movies. OK, like you have one. Yes. Yeah, it comes up all the time. Or also a really common one is going to Minion. That's huge, huge, huge. Um, where you have yes, yeah. the girl who wants the guy to go to Minion and the guy says, this is where I'm holding now. Like I dive in every day. I'm just not interested. I don't care. I'm happy with where I'm holding going to Minion once a day, right? And, and you know, that's a very interesting example because girls don't, don't go to Minion. So it's not something they could say, well, I keep this and you don't, you know, like they really want, and, and you know, a lot of guys will say, but you don't know what it's like. Like you don't know how difficult it is. And this this really that that minion example actually is like I feel like it's so charged because it really comes up so so much. Yes, very very often, and I think that like a lot of times girls have an ideal. Oh, I want my husband going to minion, you know, three times a day, and it's super important to me. And you know, he needs to make sure that he makes it on time and that he's not sleeping late and all that. And I think that theoretically it is great and it's something that you should aspire to but I think that it's very important to understand again intent like are you wanting this because that's what everyone told you that you should want and that this is like the category of guys that you want to get so therefore you're going to say minion three times a day is super important but is it actually important to you or is it just you know something that's on your list and like I feel like that happens a lot also when it comes to learning these days I'm hearing so often that girls who don't even really care if the boy is learning right now, they, they, they're fine with him going to work already will say, I want one to two year learning because if they don't, then they're not going to get the type of suggestions that they feel are going to match up with them. So I feel like it's so important to understand, you know, what it is that you actually want and then to translate that and convey that to Shadchanim as well. And that, that is definitely, you know, something that comes with Hashkafa. Like, what is it that you want with TV, right? Like, is it that you don't want a screen in your home at all because, you know, that's what people tell, that's what people say, I don't want a TV? Or is it just that you don't want to be constantly watching? Therefore, you know, even a, if you don't have a TV, but if you have a computer, you're still going to have the same problem. Like, it's very important to understand your wants behind what you're saying. Yeah, I, the fact that you even brought up the example with the learning, I can't tell you how many guys have told me I'm only yeshiva until I get married, because if I leave yeshiva now, I'm not going to find a good shidduch. And to me, it is heartbreaking because yes. it, it has become just, it's, it's not even, 
if it's real or what it represents, it's literally just, well, this is what everybody does. I, I remember years ago, I was trying to um, read a shidduch and the guy was a working guy, super from like amazing, amazing, amazing. And the girl was interested. And I called the parents and the father said to me, how would it look on us if my daughter married a working guy? And it was like, it was those like silent drop. Wow. I was like, okay, <laughs> like this is what it boils down to. Like, this is what it boils down yeah. to. Is how will it reflect on me? What's the status that I'm going to gain from this shit up? He literally said to me, he's like, well, what will people say? Like my daughter's 19 and yeah. she's a working guy. Like, how is that going to look? And I was like, but he has the same values and she's interested. Like, it's not like he's a guy who doesn't have the values that your daughter's looking for, but it didn't matter. It was, it was the image. And I'm happy that you brought this up because there has to be a distinction that you have to really think about for yourself. If does this ashkafic difference bother me because of what people will say, how it will reflect on me, what, how it will reflect on my family, or is it, we have a values difference and you know, going back for a minute to the example of Minion, the advice I often give here is, well, what does Minion represent for you, right? Is it that you want somebody who's a go-getter, gets up early in the morning, because maybe he doesn't go to Minion, but he still has that, you know, koach, that like mentality in life of like not wasting time. Is it that you want somebody who just follows Allah, whether they feel it or not, it doesn't matter. I know you're struggling with your connection with God, but like, you know, you need to do what you need to do, Right. Or is it a community thing? No, it looks bad. You know, I always wanted a guy who was a minion. Um, or is it embarrassing? You know, I, I've had girls tell me it's going to be embarrassing for me if, if my husband doesn't go to minion. Like, what, what are my friends going to say? What's my family going to say? You have to be honest with yourself when you're answering these questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It all comes back to, you know, what is your intent when you request these things. Oh, I want somebody that's going to Minion three times a day. I want somebody that doesn't listen to non-Jewish music or, you know, watch movies. Like, what is the actual idea behind those requests? Um, and I think that the more that people, like you said, really are honest with themselves and understand what is at the core of, of you know, their Hashkafic requests, the better off they'll, they'll be at kind of like discerning who is for them and who is a good who, and you know what is a good suggestion as opposed to hold on one second he he he's already starting to work forget it he's not for me because like you said you can have somebody that's on the same you know spiritual level that is somebody who's working and somebody who's learning because you can have somebody who's going to work but to them it's so important to learn that even if they're, they're exhausted at the end of the day they will go out and have a chavrusa and go learn um, because they find it so important and because they want to incorporate incorporate that in their daily life and they want to live a Torah lifestyle. So it can be just as equal to somebody who's learning all day and also would like a Torah lifestyle. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, one or the other. The intent is is the most important part. Yeah. And especially with that example, I mean, you have guys who are in yeshiva learning, but they don't learn as much as a working guy. You know, like it's, Right. again it's it's that value you know and it has happened where somebody will say well you know I really value somebody who has a connection to God and for me many represents that and I say okay so discuss it with the guy discuss with him his connection with God and what ends up happening is sometimes you do have guys who are really spiritual who are very connected 
who for whatever reason struggle with minion, right? Maybe right now they're 35 years old, really going all the time and, and not having a talus is just really, really challenging, you know, and, and they really struggled with their connection and they just figured when I dive in one-on-one -on -one, for me, that's what it makes. And maybe, and this is another distinction, when someone's working on something versus when they say, I'm happy where I'm at. And that's a distinction I want to make because sometimes, you know, you meet people, let's say like the girl does not listen to non-Jewish music. Okay. Something she worked on, she, she believes very strongly in it. And the guy says, I listen to clean non-Jewish music. It does not bother me. I'm not working on it. Like I like this kind of music. That's very different, I think, than if somebody says, look, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm human, <laughs> you know, like I'm trying not to listen to Jewish music, but but for once in a while I listen to it. Or yeah, I would love to say I go to Minion three times a day. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I It's really hard for me to make chakras, but like I'm always there in Khamarif, right? There is a distinction between someone who's working towards a similar lifestyle versus somebody who's saying, this is who I am, by the way, hashtag, keep it real. Like, I think it's amazing when people are very honest and real with the person they're dating. But now the decision, I think, is a little yes. different. Yeah, I was just going to just gonna add that point. I, and I 100% agree with you that, like, there's something to this idea of somebody who's very honest and open and telling you, you know, exactly where they're holding. And, and if it's something that they feel like may be attainable in the future, or if it's something that really, like, it's not, it's not on their to-do list. And, either you're okay with it or you're not okay with it. I think that's so much better than people who will say, put up this facade. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm, you know, going to minion three times a day and um, I'm learning and all that. And then you find out after the fact when you're already invested or even engaged or married that that's really not the case. Um, and it does, that, that does make a huge difference in how, you know, how you address a relationship if you don't have that honesty. Yeah, and I think the concept of honesty comes up in really all topics, not just Ashkafa, in terms of sharing family situations, uh, medical things, you know, and to me, it's like the goal is not to get married. The goal is not to trick someone into marrying you and being stuck. The goal is to find a partner that is right for you. And the right partner for you needs to be supportive of your struggles. So they have to know what those struggles are so they can know what they're signing up for, you know, and and they need to, you know, I think really like the point that kind of brings it all home for me is, can you still respect this person, even though you have a different ashkafa? Really, it's kind of two points. One is how will the home that we want to build be affected by the fact that we have different viewpoints, right? And and you have to discuss that. Like, how are we raising our children? What, you know, how are we conflicting opinions coming together for the home we're building? But it's also on an individual level. Can I respect my spouse? You know, are you going to say, you know what? I like this guy. Okay. He doesn't go to minion, whatever. I'm going to marry him. But every time you see him wake up late, you're like, you know, rolling your eyes, like, ugh, like, you know, just, just feeling like that energy where he's going to feel it like 110%. Like if you're judging him for that yeah. and it's not healthy. I mean, the number one thing you need in, in a marriage for Shalom Bite is respect. Guys need respect women need appreciation like that's if, if have like like a one-liner that's what it is so if you're not able to respect your partner it's gonna be really hard to make it work on a on like a marriage relationship level so i think it's also it's very important to really understand whether or not you can respect somebody because this question of you know we have small differences where for example let's say you have a girl 
who doesn't watch TV, doesn't listen to Jewish music, is okay with her husband doing it? And is that something that's small enough that it won't really affect the relationship? Um, and it's not, like you said, it's not a one size fits all where we can say categorically not a problem or is a problem. It really depends on how something like that would translate into their day to day. Does that mean that they're not going to end up spending time with each other at night because he's going to go off and watch a movie and she's not upset at it officially, but she's not going to go watch a movie with him. So they're not spending any time together. Or, you know, is she not going to respect him, like you said, because he's not holding at the same level, even if initially she was okay with it? Is it, you know, chipping away at her a little bit? So it's very, very important to understand, even in the small aspects, how these differences really translate to your day to day. Yeah. And I think another nuance here is how much is that something that you have personally worked on and care about? You know, I think it's very different when that's something that you struggled with, you've worked on, you say, you know, for three years now, I haven't watched movies. Like I really worked myself to that level. It's much harder, I think, to accept somebody doing that when you yourself have really worked very hard on it. So, and this is, this is why I, I started with the disclaimer of like, there's so many nuances, you know, you really should speak to somebody if, if this comes up, there's a lot more, you know, kind of like what we do in coaching. A lot of times it's like, you know, we're like private investigators <laughs> and you're trying to dig yeah. deeper and like taking all the layers and really getting to like, what's the core issue? What's the core difference? You know, do you have the same values? And, 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 and like Hannah said, you know, you really want to think about how is this going to impact our married life? And, you know, one of the questions that I ask people all the time that I think is, I mean, I think it's a brilliant Hashkafa question is what do you envision vacation like? Like, where do you picture going on vacation? What do you picture your ideal vacation? It's going to tell you a lot. What kind of place are you going to go to? I actually had a couple who weren't sure if they were like on the same Hashkafa page. And I said, discuss what you're going to do on vacation. So he said, um, I love sailing. I love the water. Like, you know, like I, I love all of that. And she was like, I would never go to a Kauai beach ever. And it was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it kind of came out that they had just a different hashkafa on other things, just by this question of how are you going to spend your free time? That's really what it boils down to, right? What are right. your Sundays going to look like as a family? Are you envisioning going to a baseball game? Is he envisioning learning the whole time? You know, are you envisioning family time? And, and this is also, by the way, kind of connected to that question of what language you grew up in, because whatever you grew up in, that's kind of like the lenses of what you think is normal. These are all important questions to discuss, I think, early on. Yeah, even with the vacation question, it's such a great question. And it also is such a specific question because, you know, you could have a couple who will say, yeah, we don't really seem to match up in terms of how we would spend spend a vacation but we both feel that, you know, we'd rather be home anyways than travel. So it's not such a big deal because we both don't really enjoy traveling so much. So we have these differences, but we're fine with it because we don't think it's going to affect us so much in the long term. But that's one couple. And then you could have another another couple who, you know, somebody says, um, I love traveling. That is my happy place. So I'm going to want to travel all the time. And if my husband is, you know, super concerned about Minion, that's going to bother me because I feel like, you know, I'm not really holding at a place where I'm thinking about only going to places that have Minion. And so you have to really just see how that translates. And it's interesting because it just brings up this concept that 
you can have small differences or seemingly big differences, but it really, at the end of the day, depends on the couple to determine what's a big difference and what's a small difference. And I remember speaking to someone who had told me that to him, it's extremely important to pay full tuition. When he gets married, he wants to pay full tuition in school. He feels like it's not something that you should, that you should, you know, try to get a break on or like if, if you can afford it by, let's say, not going on such expensive vacations, like to him, that's very important. And, you know, that could seem like something, okay, so insignificant or it's like down the road. I'm not thinking about children right now. But if you think about that, what that really means is that for him, he would rather forego on, let's say, a more expensive lifestyle and pay full tuition. And that that could be a big thing for somebody. So it's it's really important to see how that translates to you specifically and you know what the intent is i feel like that's also you know kind of i sound like a broken record but it's just so important it's so funny that you brought up the financial question because i was going to say how the vacation question is also a finance question are you envisioning you know going to sri lanka or going you know skiing in the swiss alps it also tells you a lot about how you were raised and what your expectations are you know, if you have somebody who grew up where vacations were a big deal, I mean, they went to Israel, you know, twice a year on, in the summers, they went uh, to Switzerland. And then you go with a guy who's like, no, our vacations were like, we would drive to a state park in New Jersey right. and then like barbecue. I'm not saying you can't make it work. I'm just saying that you need to discuss that. <laughs> like, how exactly. are you planning on raising your family? Because to you, if if you grew up spending a certain amount of money you think that's normal somebody who didn't grow up with that does not think it's normal so even if they have the money they may not want to spend it on that kind of you were saying with this whole tuition thing like they this guy may make a lot of money but he might say i don't want to buy a big fancy house i want to have enough money for all the kids i want to have and she might say well we always lived in a really big house and whatever you just get tuition break like i'm not going to live with only one car you know, and by the way, I feel like we're going in all these like webs and people are like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be able to get married because it's like so complex. It really isn't. <laughs> I, I don't want to freak anyone out. A hundred percent. And on the flip side, you know, you can have the language, quote unquote, that you grow up with. But when you're introduced to a new language, it may be something that you find that you enjoy or that it's something that you want to learn. You want to learn this new language. It's it's interesting to you that, you know, somebody else grew up differently and that's something that you think is beautiful and you want to incorporate in your life. So it doesn't have to be that that being different is wrong or not going to work. It's really a matter of understanding how the difference, you know, pertains to you and whether or not it's something that you would be okay with. And you're going to only get to that by having a discussion with the person and seeing, what does this represent for you? Do we have the same values? Is this a standalone issue or is it representative of just a bigger lifestyle difference? And, you know, I really do try to encourage couples to discuss Ashkafa pretty early on. I'm not saying on the first date per se, but within the first, you know, three, five dates, I think you really have to talk about, you know, where we came from, where we're going, are we headed on the same path? And I find that most questions that boil down to we're about to get engaged, but we just realized we have an ashkafic difference is because they met naturally or they fell for each other first. And then we're like, wait, we really like each other. And now we're finding out we have these differences. 
And that's really challenging, especially if you haven't connected with somebody to that extent beforehand. Yeah. And I think also just a, like a, a bright star here is that even when you do have differences, you know, your, your willingness to make something work because like you said, you love somebody or because you feel like you want to be with them and applying the proper tools is more important than a specific, um, you know, nuance or difference. You're, you're wanting to make a healthy, good relationship and you understanding what tools are necessary is really like at the forefront and more important than anything else. Hashkafic differences, you know, are exactly that. They're, they're differences, but you understanding how you want your relationship to be and what effort you're willing to put in is really what is going to shape any relationship. Yeah. And I, I think even when two people have very similar hashkafas, there's always going to be nuances. There will always be differences. And you have to go into marriage with the perspective of, I cannot and will not change this person. Like that is not an option, right? What you see is what you get. And I'm sure you get this all the time, Hannah, where they're like, well, maybe he could change. Maybe he could. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And it's totally out of your control. And you have to say, the person in front of me, can I make it work with them? Can I respect them? Can we build a home of similar values while at the same time, maybe having our own different way that we connect to God, you know, our own different relationship with God, but we still kind of come together in, you know, in the way that we, that we raise the kids. I do think it's very important for Chinuch to have one voice, meaning that you're on the same page in terms of what messages you're giving the kids. And I think there's, there's two nuances here of, of the Hashkafa piece. It's one is how you respect and connect to the individual. And the other is what home are you building together? I have to say that I agree with, um, I'll call it like a, the preschool philosophy of you get what you get and you don't get upset where, you know, you, when you come into a marriage, you have to be willing to just be okay with the person that's in front of you. It's always great. And it's always a goal to enhance each other. But if you're coming in with the goal of changing each other, then it's, it, that's not going to work. Like you have to, you know, you have to be okay with, with whatever you, whomever you chose to marry, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Yeah. And you also have to understand that each person has their own journey. And I think it's a really dangerous place to put yourself in the individual's journey with their own relationship with the Kodesh Baruch You know, everyone has their own personal struggles. And yes, there are things that you struggle with hashkafically that will make a difference in the home that you're going to build. And that's fine. You can be honest with yourself saying, look, I don't want my kids to grow up with a father who watches movies. I just can't do it. I, I just, for me, I, I can't do it. So fine. So he's not for you. You're not the right partner for him. He's not the right partner for you. Again, caveat, speak to somebody. This is not, this is not a blanket statement. I'm just saying, if that's something you feel very strongly about. But if it's, if someone's having a personal struggle, whether it's davening, minion, something like that, that might be something that they can work on with Hashem. And, you know, it's not for you as the wife or the husband to to kind of be trying to monitor that nobody wants to marry a sneeze police nobody wants to marry like like yeah. uh you know someone who's there kind of taking notes and being like you did this wrong you did that wrong it's not attractive and it's not going to lead to respect or appreciation for each other yeah and i think that's so important also what you said that like 
when you are married to someone, it's not your job to to constantly tell them what they're doing wrong and what to fix. Um, you know, this goes under the again the concept of enhancing. If you want to enhance your spouse and you want them to grow and become better, um, then you know there's a way of doing. There's a, there's a nuanced way of making them feel supported as opposed to saying something that's just going to automatically put them on the defensive and make them feel like you're policing them. Um, and that's why that's you know just brings back to what we're talking about. It's understanding your hashkafos, understanding you know that you want to make sure you are essentially on basically the same page because you don't want to then feel like you are going to be policing somebody and wanting to change them and wanting to make them exactly like the way you grew up. Yeah. So, you know, th there's a lot of cliches that I, I don't like because I think practically they're <laughs> they're not helpful, like marry your best friend. I, I don't think you're marrying your best friend. I don't think a man has the emotional capability to respond to all of your emotional needs, you know, not as a down to men. I just, if you think about it, how many girlfriends you have that have different needs, it's like, hello, it's not your best friend. It's your partner. It's a really special relationship. It's unique, but it's not your best friend. Another one is we become one. No, you don't become one. You're actually two individuals who are still going to be thriving, living your lives, having your own set of goals. And you come together to build one home. Right. Like there's a distinction here. And I think that's also an Ashkafi thing you have to keep in mind. You're still going to be two individuals. He does not represent you. She does not represent you. Yes, you're building a home together. So you want to make sure that the messages that you're giving to each other and to your children, you know, is similar. But you're still your own individual. It's funny that you brought up this point of, you know, you're not marrying your best friend because I could not agree with you more on this concept that. At the end of the day, the, I think the, when you think about the way you talk to your friends, it's probably very different than the way you talk to your husband because you know that he's most likely not listening and having as much patience as your friend would for a very long-winded story about what you bought today or didn't buy in the end you know, and what you're reasoning. Think that we're like, you know, crazy here. Like, who did you guys marry? It's like, no, we married men. Right. And exactly. Men who And women. Yep. And they have very different interests and their minds work very differently. So, you know, yes, you you want to marry somebody that makes you happy, makes you laugh and that you want to spend time with. But kind of like how you, you know, if you think about it, you do have different types of friends and you have different, a lot of times, you know, what you have in one friendship, it may be different than what you have in a different friendship. And in a spouse, it is different than a friendship. The things that are most important are not necessarily the things that are most important in a friendship. Um, and so, you know, you can have differences in a marriage, but as long as you are supporting and respecting each other, um, you know, it, it works as opposed to a friendship where if you have so many differences, it's just not working and you don't want to hang out with each other. So it is, it is different. It's not a, it's not a best friend situation. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, when you said that, I said, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about, I always think this way. Like I could not agree with you more. Yeah. It's, it's one of those cliches that I always laugh. Like when I read on a resume, like I'm looking for a best friend and I'm like, you're really not, but, right. um, <laughs> and you know what, this is totally not the topic for today, but I think it boils down to difference between what you need versus what you want expectations and so forth. And shameless plug, those are things that you discuss in a one-on-one -on -one session, whether with me or with Hannah in coaching. I, I, I just want to tell you this past year, I discovered how powerful coaching is. It's really like, it's unbelievable the, the way you can accomplish one-on-one -on -one with somebody and 
just getting them to to an awareness of wow like a mind shift you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's unbelievable so anyone here that's doubting it don't doubt it you know like if you feel like hey i'm stuck in my life maybe there's patterns i want to recognize i want something different reach out there's really a lot of amazing coaches out there i will just give like a really big warning um because i'm sure you've had this hannah where you have clients who come to you after having spoken to a different coach before and to me the biggest red flag of any coach or mentor is someone who tells you what to do a mentor and a coach do not make a decision for you they help you guide you in your decision yeah and it's it's really is so important to recognize when you just need to talk to somebody i can't tell you how many times you know when i tell people what I do, their initial reaction is always like, really? People need to a dating coach? Why would you need a dating coach? And then I, I explained to them that it's not because these people are broken or that they have these severe problems. It's actually the opposite. These are regular, you know, people. And I'm not saying that people who are in therapy are not regular, but I'm saying that these are people who are not in therapy per se, or they're not dealing with specific dating issues that require a therapist, but they just need somebody to talk to. They need a sounding board. And I can't even tell you how many people are in therapy, but they will still come to me because it's just a different animal entirely. This, you know, the relationship piece is just something very different than the therapy piece. And recognizing that, you know, it's okay to talk to somebody and it's not something that, you know, is like a lifelong thing. I have so many clients where, you know, we, we go through a process, we, they start the dating process with me and, you know, they, they get engaged and, and I don't hear from them. And I, and, and it's obviously sad, but it's like a happy sadness. I'm like, I'm so happy. You're, you're good. You know, like I, I'm happy that you're, that I haven't heard from you. That's a great sign. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And just recognizing, like you said, that any good mentor or coach is not there to say, do this, don't do this. You're wrong. Change everything. A good coach will essentially help you lay out the facts and, create a roadmap that you can then use on your own yeah and and the reason why I mentioned this and aside from the fact that I think what I do is amazing and what Hannah does is amazing and powerful and effective is because specifically when it comes to these kind of ashkafic decisions it's really easy to just be like okay I need to get out or I'm going to get engaged you know like you kind of just get stuck and especially and I've heard this from quote-unquote older single people who, who have dated for it for a while already who really who really have a hard time with these decisions because they want to get married, right? If you are 35, 36, sometimes even 27, 24, 22, depending on, on your background and how much you've dated, sometimes you can feel like an older single, even at 22. And you say, I want to get married. I met this guy. We hit it off. Like, I like him. He's the first guy I've ever thought I could marry. But we have this difference, right? Do I let it go? And, and this is why, you know, I kind of segued into you can reach out to somebody to discuss this. Because I think also a lot of times when it comes to Hashkafa, it's so important to have a sounding board because the way that you view things, you know, you could have an opinion on something, but it may be based on public opinion. And you may feel a certain way because you feel like, oh, well, that's just how things are done or it's going to feel weird if not. But then when you speak to somebody and you talk it through with somebody and they say, well, hold on one second. Is this how you actually feel? And you break it down with them. It can really give you a much deeper understanding as to whether or not somebody is for you, as opposed to just, you know, going off of public opinion. Yeah. And I want to kind of circle back to a point that you mentioned that I think is really important. And maybe we could end off with this. 
which is, you know, once you get married, what you see is what you get and you don't get upset. And that is obviously once you're married, the attitude that you should have with the caveat of, you know, some major things that could be in the background, right? Like major red flags, which we're not going to discuss here. But while you're dating, I think it's really dangerous to take that attitude of, you know, whatever's in front of me, I'm going to make it work. Do you, do, you get, do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes, yeah. once you're married, differences come up. I mean, I remember when I was engaged, I asked some friends of mine who were already married. I was like, what was the biggest surprise? Literally all of them said to me, how little you know the person. Like, you just don't know them. Like, you think you know them, but then you get married and you realize, and nothing like major tragic, like, just things you didn't realize, <laughs> you know, whether it is about just the opposite gender or just about this individual person. So you're always going to find things and say, wow, we have this difference. Didn't realize it, but we're going to roll with it. But when you're dating, it's really important to make, you know, a distinction between I have to make this work versus I am willing to make it work with this person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's good that you clarify that point because a hundred percent, the you get what you get and you don't get upset is really an attitude that you have to have once you've already made your decision that you want to marry somebody and that you're, you know, going to do this for the long haul. But before that point, it is important to not feel like you're trapped into something because you're older, you've been dating for a long time, or, you know, this person is not really hashkafically on point with you. And there are very big differences, but you know what? I'm just going to say yes anyways, because I want to get married your desire to get married shouldn't overshadow actual differences that will be an issue in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And this is where this distinction and speaking to somebody, which is again, why we mentioned this is important because then you can come to realize, Hey, does it really bother me? Does it not bother me? Is it a social thing? Is it a personal thing? Will I respect them? Will I be happy with them? Can we build a similar home together? These are all you know, questions that you kind of have to answer. And, you know, what I find interesting, and I'm not sure if people have picked this up on themselves, a lot of times when you don't want to do something, your body physically actually like feels- Rejects it. Yeah, your body rejects it, you know? Like, no, it is not normal to be dating somebody and be full on anxiety. Like, it's just not. Your body is telling you not being able to eat, not being able to sleep, like not being able to function- Yes, there are people who struggle with anxiety. I'm, you have to kind of differentiate what's your baseline in general, right? If your baseline is always that you're nervous, that's a very different baseline. But if your baseline is, is you know, average, and then you're dating somebody, and you are literally pulling out your hair like, of just the stress, your body's trying to communicate something to you. And this is where when speaking to someone, you figure out what is my gut trying to tell me? I don't think you should ever ignore your gut. I think you have to listen to it, make it into a cognitive question and answer your gut. You know, sometimes what we think is bothering us is actually not what the issue is. I'm sure it's come up with you hand all the time where people say, this bothers me, right? They, they give like a blanket statement and then you kind of dig deeper. And that was just an example or an umbrella term. Yeah. And, you know, almost like on the flip side of what you're saying, because what you said is, is so important and so true, you can have the opposite extreme where you have somebody that um, 
you know, is more prone to anxiety or irrational fears. And that's why, like you said, it, it is so important to understand yourself and to really it, it, to speak to somebody to understand, you know, if the things that you're concerned about are you looking for an issue or is it actually an issue? Because you have a lot of times where people will jump to concerns or jump to fears because that's something that they do in general. That's their baseline, their baseline. It's almost like a defense mechanism, you know, where um, I'm nervous to be so vulnerable with somebody and to get to a point in a relationship where we're talking about marriage. Therefore, I'm going to constantly look for concerns and I'm going to look for issues. And sometimes there are valid issues that they, they come up with because they're, you know, constantly in looking for concern mode. But it's very important to basically kind of categorize these fears and concerns, understand which ones should be addressed and understand which ones can kind of just, you know, lay dormant or basically be like categorized as, okay, I'm just being overly feel, fearful or, you know, irrationally concerned. Um, so it is really, really important to understand yourself and recognize how you date and therefore what you need to do to make a relationship work. Yeah. I mean, recognize your patterns, right. And relationships and in way of thinking, but even somebody, by the way, who's not necessarily anxious could do self-sabotage in a, in a way that looks very normal. Like, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, we're not meant to be because of this. And they're almost looking for a way out because there's yeah. something, there's whatever reason that's blocking them or preventing them, or it's scarier, or they're still not over somebody else, or, you know, all these things, you know, one, actually a topic I want to discuss is when um, singles get married later in life and all the challenges that come along with it. And, and it, it's interesting because yeah. sometimes you think, oh, 32 I just got married like I should be ecstatic and happy and all of a sudden On they're top like, of the world they're like Raquel I'm not happy we have issues <laughs> I lost my independence yeah. how do we talk about money I had to move to a new city you know all, all these things that come up and yes. and I think it's normal and natural as you get older for there to be a deeper fear of letting go, of being vulnerable, of opening up. And this is not to say that people who are, haven't been married yet have issues. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is learn your patterns, you know, be honest with yourself. I actually had someone tell me how, and no, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm just not attracted. Okay. And we're trying to define attraction, attraction, attraction. And finally, she tells me, no, he is cute. He is handsome. This, that, that. I just, I just knew that that was something I could say and nobody was going to judge me for it. And I said, okay. Wow. I was like, that's amazing self-awareness <laughs> right there. Yeah. It's so subjective that nobody's going to argue with me and say to me, what do you mean you're not attracted? He's six, two and good looking. Like, what are you talking about? She could just say, I'm not attracted. I don't know. I just, I just don't connect. I don't feel it. Which is, which is why you have to catch yourself when you keep saying no to people. And your answer is, I don't feel it. I don't see it. You know, it, it's a very subjective answer. Why are you giving so many subjective answers? Because no, nobody can argue with that. Again, these are all just food for thought <laughs> for you to start thinking about what are the patterns? How are you communicating? What are you expressing? Where I'm like speaking to a client, you know, like, and I, I, I dig deep. I, I dig deep. And all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, this is why. And she tells it to me. And I'm just like in the back, like, you know, like clapping, like I'm so finally, you know. Yeah. And we have that at sound over. <laughs> exactly. Like, like the background music, you know, and like, like, like building up towards it. And sometimes you as an outsider can see something clearly 
but that's not the goal. Like I can't just point it out to you, you know, your quote unquote blind spot. The idea is for the person to kind of become aware of like, hey, why am I doing this? And again, this is not to say that every single person has to be psychoanalyzed and you know, sometimes you just don't like the person. Sometimes it is an ashkafic difference. Sometimes there really is no attraction. And Hannah and I actually did the attraction episode together. We both do not downplay attraction. I always tell people, you cannot get engaged with it's not hard, period. Like this is not a negotiable. Yeah, that's a good litmus test. Huge part of marriage, done. You know, connecting, huge part of marriage. All of that. What we're just trying to say is be honest with yourself. What is it? And be open to kind of questioning your own intentions and your own reasoning. And I, that's what I always tell um, my clients as well. Like, you know, when if you've been dating for so long and you have a really good sense of, you know, what you're attracted to and like what you feel like you're looking for, don't completely negate that because you're told that you have to go out at X number of times, you know, like it, use the fact that you've gone out on so many dates and use that to your advantage to say, look, I know myself, I know what I can work with when I can't work with. And, you know, use that to not have to kind of like push yourself into this corner of, okay, I have to just keep going out because, you know, I was told to do that or you never know. So I'm going to keep going out. Like it, it really, it's, it's, yeah, it's a very, very important to not just negate your own feelings. Essentially what, you know, we're both saying is, is start to get to know yourself a little bit, you know, have a cup of coffee with yourself and understand like you know, your nuances. Literally go on a date and, and get yeah. yourself a coffee and just, if you don't enjoy spending time with yourself, why should somebody else, you know, like. I love that. I love that. You should 100% make dates for yourself and they could be different things, you know, depending on what, on, on what you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you if know, you. This is, this is why I love talking to you, Hannah, because we literally go on tangents that are still so relevant and so important and so amazing. <laughs> And, you know, even as I'm hearing you talking, which is always so fun to do, you know, I'm thinking of just more expanding of these, all these internal questions, which is why are you drawn to something? You know, and I'm going to get very spiritual and smarty here. We all have a tikkun in this world and we're always going to be attracted to the people who make us work on ourselves. But there has to be a balance of I'm attracted to something that makes me work on myself and I'm attracted to something that's healthy for me. And the more you work on yourself, the more that what you attract is also better for you. Again, totally off topic, but I just felt like I had to kind of like put it out there. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that. That is so true. Like it's such a good perspective to have even after you're married, you know, like I'm with somebody that is going to help me work on myself, but that is also healthy for me, you know, and that's what really marriage should be about, that it's not just the status quo that your spouse really enhances you. And, you know, it's not just that, oh, I, I need to be on the same level as my spouse, but that my spouse maybe highlights things that, that sh you know, that show me that I need to work on this aspect. And, you know, even though my spouse is entirely different and has that down already, like I need to work on this one piece. And, and he showed me that I need to work on that, but in a loving way. And it's just, it's really beautiful concept that you yeah. brought up. I love that. And let me tell you something. Once you get married, don't worry, your spouse will show you in many ways, what you have yeah. to work on. <laughs> and all of yes. these you have to work on out. You do not have to go looking for them, meaning you do not have to say, oh, I want to work on myself. I'm going to get into a hard situation. No, no, no. Don't worry. The situation will come up. <laughs> it will find you. It will find you. Does not need a GPS. You know why? Because at the end of the day, everyone has differences. 
whether hashkafic, whether personality, whether even food preferences. I know that sounds really funny, but you know, there's always going to be differences and that's okay. We are attracted to opposites. They complete us. We're also attracted to the energy that's missing in our life. So if you're a very, you know, earth, very grounded person, you're always going to be attracted to somebody who's a little bit more flowy and let things go. And that's attracting really good chemistry. But it's also frustrating because you're like, why can't you get your stuff together and stop floating? But that's yeah. why you like them. You know, <laughs> it's funny. Like you're always yeah. going to be attracted. Like what you love about them is also what's going to drive you crazy. I know we're totally getting off topic here, but I think you guys are enjoying also the conversation because I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I have to add one more point on on something that you, you said. And it's so funny because it popped into my mind before you even said it, but about the food differences. Um, and how, you know, the differences in marriage will find you. And I'll, I'll never forget this. When I married my husband, um, we were n- newly married, like fresh, I think, like right after like the week of Chevrolet. And um, I was making fish sticks, like super classy food. And he, you know, walked into the kitchen. He's like, oh, are you going to flip the fish sticks? Because like, you know, when they cook on one side, you should flip them so that it's like evenly cooked. And I remember just looking at him horrified and thinking like, are you, are you going to do this all the time? Like, are you going to like have these ideas of like how I should be like making everything? And like, and I remember just like thinking about it for a second. And then like, I remember like, it was so important to zoom out and recognize like, it's, it's okay. It's fine. He just makes fish sticks differently and that's okay. And happens to be, it was a smart idea and it was, it was a good idea. And I feel like that plays out so many times in marriage where it's a different way than you know of doing something, but it doesn't mean it's bad. And it doesn't mean that, it's not going to work. It's just all about the delivery of things, you know, like it has to be done the right way. Not what you say, it's how you say it. But I love that you caught yourself because it happens all the time where little things happen and you're just like, oh my God, like, what does this represent? Which is actually going to be a full circle with the Hashkafa thing, something little. And you say, what does it represent? You know, is it a standalone issue? Is it a bigger issue? And most of the time, you know, a classic example, somebody actually just told me this over Yomto that her daughter got married and called her crying because her husband said, do you mind getting my mom's recipe for blah, 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 blah. Like I just, oh my gosh, she started crying like mommy, he wants me to cook just like, and she's like, yeah, because that's what he grew up with. He's not saying he doesn't like your food. He's saying that's the food that he knows. Like take a step yeah. back. He's not attacking you. In a way, he actually communicated very nicely. Would you mind speaking to my mom and getting her recipes? But I could see how that could be hurtful. But like you said, just exactly. kind of take a step back. I, I want to end with a quote. I, I thought it was really nice. It says that a great marriage is not when the perfect couple comes together. It is when an imperfect couple learns to enjoy their differences. Wow. That is, I could not agree with that more. It's so, so true because... Marriage, like you said, is not like, oh, you become one and all your differences fall to the wayside. No, it's that you love each other in spite of your differences and you're okay being with each other, even though you're different. And honestly, this was such a, I think, fun, insightful, thought-provoking conversation. I want to thank again, Hannah Kahana for joining us. I am going to put all of her contact information in the description box below so you could reach out to her if you want. I want to reach out to her so I can understand why you want to reach out to her. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's always a great time. And I always love your viewpoints on things. It's always food for thought. I end up walking away like with a bunch of calories because I have had so much food for thought. (laughs) 
I love that. I love that line. You guys should know that every time we stop recording, Hannah and I just keep talking for two hours. We really just, uh, Baruch Hashem, enjoy, enjoy speaking. And, and thank you again. I, I also really love all the insights that you bring and all the points. And I'm sure that you guys enjoy too. Let me know what you think and we'll speak soon. Thank you.